Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome back to the Rover Report Extra Podcast. It's a day after we've just beaten Newcastle's Baines uh, 4-0. I was there, it was a bit of a weird one. I think there was a no-win situation there. It shouldn't really have happened, if I'm honest with you. But if you're going to play a game like that, I suppose you've got to go in, you've got to win 4-0. But we managed to, to rest pretty much everyone, I think. With Saturday in mind, what an absolutely huge, huge, huge game on Saturday. Probably our biggest of the season and our opponents probably as well. I've got on Ian from We Are Luton Town. How are you doing, Ian? Are you well? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? A positive mood after your news today. What What's happening? Well, <laughs> yeah, it's positive for you guys, isn't it? Very, yes. Obviously, really, um, season derailing news for us really um, probably our best manager we've had in a lot of years certainly in in my lifetime anyway um, and you know Nathan Jones got us playing some very very good football um, he's got a philosophy going through the club and it was a bit of a shock if I'm honest because you know throughout this season he's had a few uh, inquiries about other teams um, and he's not gone and then Stoke came out the woodwork and, and all of a sudden he's gone so there you go the speed of it was actually quite frightening. I thought like it might be maybe long and protracted. He might think about it and it might go into next week and obviously he'll be in charge on Saturday and, and things like that. But it pretty much, he was linked and, and then he just went. It seems, it's not like Stoke, I mean, no offence to Stoke, but it's not a huge attraction. Uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because they've got the manager merry-go-round at the minute. Um, with all the managers they've had recently, um, they seem to be sliding down the table. It's You wouldn't think it's a, uh, an opportunity that he would go for but you know money does talk and I'd imagine he, he was offered a very good contract there and the release clause in his contract with Luton was about a million pounds which is you know in, in the face of things in, in the face of promotion which it, it's ultimately might cost us is very very little but he, he'd been put on a big contract and at the end of the day he's got a you know wife coming up um, he's got to look after himself it's number one in it so uh, what can you do? 
Yeah, I suppose. I mean, even from the outside looking in, as good news as it is, I, I was quite surprised by it, if I'm honest with you as well. I think for me, Luton seemed to be a club on the up. Stoke seemed to be a rebuilding job. Is that the place where you want to go when you're a new up-and-coming manager? I mean, I could be proved wrong. We both could be proven wrong, but I don't. I, I, I didn't quite understand it. But it's great news for us because, as you say, it could completely derail your season. So, you know, my question to you would be, what do you have when you've got someone like Nathan Jones there um, what has he brought to the club? And then what is it that you're effectively losing based on him going to Stoke today? Well, he came in at a time where we were mid-table in, in League Two, really struggling under John Still. Um, we were playing all right football, but nothing really attractive. You know, many years have gone by now that Luton have played attractive football, but we just started to get back into it. He was playing a 4-4-2 diamond formation, which isn't really seen in any of the leagues. Um and, you know, most teams are coming to us and having to match us up because they couldn't cope with it. And it's a philosophy he's built into the club. And the worry is now he's built that philosophy on this season and we're in second place. Who's going to come in and going to be able to, you know, manage that philosophy? Are we going to be able to continue or is it going to be a real rebuilding job for us? Because I'm looking at the list and I'm going to be honest, there's not many names out there that are appealing at the minute. Who's their favourite? Well... The favourite Steve Robinson from Motherwell, uh, an ex-player of ours, but I don't really think that's got any legs. Second is uh, Joaquin Gomez, who's our first team coach and has been for about two and a half years. Providing that Jones doesn't take him with him to Stoke, for me that would be the best option. He's, you know, he was at, he was at Brighton with uh, with Nathan Jones. Um, he knows him very well, so he might take him, might not, but. If we can get Joaquin Gomez, I think if he signs up, I think that'll be the best option for this season, at least anyway. He knows the philosophy inside out. He knows the team. The team knows him. I think looking at the list, that's probably our best option. I suppose, based on what you you just mentioned there as well, it seems like the big worry is losing the continuity or, or continuing the continuity of the style of football, the ethos, um, and probably the, the atmosphere around the club as well. I mean, what... What you mentioned the diamond formation, and I noticed that you have like um, I think it's it's Lee that's it's like your number ten position. You've got Andrew Shinney on the left, um, and you've got uh, is it McCormick kind of sits in front of the the defence as well. But you've just brought in George Thorne as well, so you, your midfield is quite strong. I mean, what is it about the style of football that Nathan Jones brought to that, and, and how important was the midfielder to that because he had. Yeah, it was, it was massive. It's a big part of, of where we are now. A massive part. I mean, some credit has got to go the way he, he used the players up and he got the best out of them. But a lot of it was just the style of play. It was high pressure, um, bringing our full-backs into play. We've got Jack Stacey and we've got James Justin. They're pivotal to the way we played. Um, Glenn Ray has recently gone out, out injured. Again, has probably been our best player this year who sits where Kamar, uh, Cormac sits now. It's it's just the pivotal way we play in that diamond formation. If I, I honestly can't see anybody else coming in and being able to replicate that now, and I can't see that continuity going forward. But you know, I might be proved wrong. If if Gomez stays and takes first uh, manager's job, then then it then it might prove a winner. Or if we don't know, I think um, Gav was was chatting to you before via sort of message on, on Twitter, and we mentioned Paul Hurst. He played good football. He's got a, a, he did well at Shrewsbury. Uh, did very well, in fact. But when it, Ipswich didn't work out, but they're, they're a bit of a car crash club at the minute. Would you look at Paul Hurst? Uh, I'm not sold on Paul Paul Hurst. I've seen him a few times when we've come off against him in League Two. I wasn't over enamoured with his style of football. 
not really. I mean, the only one really, the, the ones out of that list I would look at is probably Warburton, um, Gomez. Um, also an outsider chance, and it's a very, very slim chance at 20 to 1. We've got Radian Tish, who used to play for us years ago. He's been at the club recently, bit of a long shot, but he might fancy a little bit of a punt. So there's almost like nobody that's nailed on. I suppose that's got to do the that that's probably got to do with the timing of it, though. I mean, again, like we we're just saying before, it was it was so 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 fast, and obviously I, I can hear the disappointment in your voice, which I, you know I expected, of course. I mean, if if we lost Jack Ross tomorrow, I think we we'd be the same. But you've got even longer longevity with with Nathan Jones. You've got a promotion, and it, what was looking like a second promotion, basically the the complete opposite to what we've had recently or, you know, there or thereabouts. And, and you still might be, but you mentioned about derailing your season. What is the, what is the big worry regarding Luton's fan base just now? Obviously losing a manager, you feel they might lose the identity in the form, but do you think the group of players could buckle under the pressure of him not being there anymore? Uh, I think <laughs> providing we keep the majority of our players, that's the first point. Um, I think, Pressure-wise, they've dealt with the pressure quite well this season. Um, they've, they've, that's one thing that I've noticed, which we don't normally have as a Luton team. When we get into pressure situations, we do normally buckle, and we have done in past seasons. But under Jones, they don't seem to do that. I think there's enough characters in the squad to be able to get past that. There's, a, there's quite a few leaders. You know, uh, A few of our players have been captain this season. Pearson, McCormack, uh, Sonny Bradley. So there's a lot of leaders in there. I think they'll pull them up, but I think... The main thing is that the decision to be um, the next manager is the main main decision. If if we get that wrong, I think you know that could derail our season. If we get it right, we could keep going. So, I suppose it's a, a difficult question for me to ask, and an even more, more difficult one for you to answer. Of, is this going to derail your season? I guess the decision on who comes in next is pretty much what's going to decide that. You're right in saying. One thing that is been quite interesting, I suppose, because last time we, last time I did the extra podcast when we played you at the start of the season, the preview podcast was with Carlos Edwards, obviously who we both know very, very well. He played for Luton when he you were in the the championship, and we went up and you went down. Um, and then there's been a big patch of time, almost a decade, between things that have happened. And I suppose Luton are one of those teams that, since I was young, have pretty much always been there or thereabouts with summer. There's been a few seasons when, obviously, we were in the Premiership. But Division 1, uh, you were always there or thereabouts with Luton. But there was a big period of time where you sort of just fell down the leagues a bit. And I think probably because Portsmouth were doing the same thing and Portsmouth is such a huge club. I suppose Luton's downward trajectory kind of got ignored a little bit in comparison to, say, Portsmouth. But you're back and, and doing really, really well. But talk me through a little bit what has happened since sort of we last played Luton at the Stadium Light in the, the, the longest but shortest summary you can, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I've been to all the Luton-Sunderland games um, in my lifetime, I think, even going back to Roker Park. And I've got some very fond memories, especially at Roker Park anyway. Um, and But... Uh, from the last game we played you, I think, apart from the, in the league this year, was in the Carling Cup. I think we beat you 3-0, I think, in the Carling Cup, if my memory serves me right. That's correct. It was the season after we beat you 5-0. It was 3-0 at home. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. was it. Um, and obviously, we were doing pretty well in the Championship. Um, it got to a point where our chairman at the time was there was investigations going on. Mike Newell let the cattle bag with a few issues that were going on in the club. We sold lots of our players, Carlos Edwards to you being one of them. Um, we got relegated 
um, to League One. And then we got a 10-point deduction in League One. Went down that season. We deserved to, really. And then in the following season, we got a 30-point deduction. And that pretty much relegated us straight away. Um, stuck in the in the conference for five years. Um, hard times down there. But from, from 2009, when we got our, our current consortium in now, Luton Town 2020, who, who run us, which is a fan-based consortium, really, with that's got investors behind them. They've really, really put a good structure in place for Luton. And we have risen up the leagues. Um, they they were very shrewd in their appointment of Nathan Jones, who again had no real experience but had a, a good pedigree, um, and and we've done really really well. We've we've got back up there more than a lot of Luton fans probably expected this quickly, especially under Nathan Jones. But we've got a rich history, you know. Like you say, we're we're really a championship club, and we have been for the majority of our lifetime. We've been in the top division for a while as well, but really predominantly in um, in the championship. And that's probably where we'll get to. But uh, it all depends on... It's a big month for us this month. We've got the planning permission going through for our new stadium. We've got a lot of big games coming up, you being the first of them. And we've got Portsmouth at the end of the month as well. The The idea was up them games to go well and our planning permission to go through. And it would have been a very good month, but it's not started so well. So, No, I started in the worst possible way, in a sense, losing, losing such an obviously talented and highly rated manager. With, with with Luton, obviously, as you said, it was a team that kind of had that downward trajectory and just sort of fell down the leagues a bit, probably even worse than we did, um, just to beat one from like the championship, as you said, down to the conference. You mentioned about a, a consortium and things like that. Now, obviously, we've just been taken over this summer and, and it's made all the world a difference. I could go on about that forever. I mean, the fact that, you know, us as a fan site get to interview Stuart now and again about his his plans and his openness on Twitter and stuff like that is, is brilliant. And I've also had the Accrington Stanley chairman, um, Andy Holt, Andy Holt on, yeah. this extra, on this extra pod as well. Um, and he he spoke fantastically well and exactly like a fan because that's what he is. So what did the consortium bring to Luton? I, I, do you feel like you're very much fan-owned and you've got transparency? Very much so. Um, Gary Sweet, who is our CEO, he f- first needed to stabilise the club financially and we, that that's pretty much what happened in the in the conference we even though we were still get, getting 8000 9000 a game which was obviously big in the conference we we had the money to spend but he he first first of all stabilized the club um put together planning permission for a new stadium which has been long overdue um and he's done everything the right way you know uh, i'm i'm sure you've seen some of the articles about not taking money from from betting companies stuff like that um, he's got a good ethos about him. All, all the uh, directors have as well. They've, they've really, really done a good job at stabilising and taking us to the next level. I think their main concern was let's not try and do it too quickly. Let's make sure we've got everything in, in place first, make sure we're not going to make the same mistakes we made before and, and really make sure that um, Luton aren't going to be uh, an issue in the future in, in, term, in terms of stability and going into administration again because we had in the 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 two thousands we we had two periods of administration and really really hers so I think that was the main focus but the the, the transparency is really really good when he puts out statements they're transparent but unlike Donald they, they're not on Twitter or anything like that which I actually quite like about your chairman he's open and honest if if you guys ask him a question he, he generally answers it pretty well yeah he's, I mean I think transparency is massive in football it's a community thing it always will be yes it's got a lot of money in the game just now. Um, I think we all know that, 
but at the same time, I think transparency is, is, is massive because it's community-based. And if you feel you're part of something, then that's why we're all going, really. As much yeah. as there's loads of money involved in it, we don't really look at it. A lot of the time, you, you see fans kicking off about how much money has been spent on a certain player. And in my opinion, always as well, it's not my money as long as it's not affecting the club and everyone's in together. Do you know what I mean? I'm quite happy. But I think there's a lot to be said for fan base. There's a, a lot of people I've spoken to, um, sort of Portsmouth, yourself, where they've had the fan base consortium and it really does seem to make a difference. And whereas Stuart's not quite fan based and he's very much, I think, a businessman, especially, especially Charlie as well. but it, it is a lot to be said about bringing it back to the fans, which is what they've done. And they've done really, really well. And it doesn't really surprise me that the three clubs at the top of the league at the moment, which is obviously, well, the top top four, actually, if you're including Charlton in that as well, Charlton, Portsmouth, Luton and Sunderland, they've all had a, recent, a recent-ish change in ownership. We're all kind of had a bit of a... A turn in fortunes and we're all heading towards where we want to be going as well but one thing that surprised me was Luton because I knew you were there or thereabouts going to be one of the favourites even though you've just been promoted but I, I was surprised to see how well he's have done and it seems a lot of it is based on your home form did it surprise you as well? Uh, yeah it did uh, can't skirt around it it did surprise me a bit I thought we'd this season would be going for a little bit of solidation and then, and then go from there but I think that the pure drive for Nathan Jones has, has not allowed that to happen. He, he, he's coming. He wants to do well. You know, if the if our owners had turned around and said to him, "Look, we need to consolidate this year and make sure we're solid for next year," he, he would have just ignored that and gone straight for it anyway. Um, pure passion and drive from him, and, and you just you can't kind of stop that. But it has surprised me. Yeah, I, I thought we'd be, you know, just outside the playoffs, but. The, the the style of football we're playing and the, and the football we've been playing has just been a different class, absolutely different class, even better than when we're in the championship, I believe. With the the performances and stuff like that, and you being obviously second off top, we're just behind you with those games in hand, I guess, which we have to win. But when you look at Luton and where they are, when we played you at the beginning of the season, our 1-1 draw is looking really, really good because your home form has been impeccable. What's the difference between you at home and you away? Does the style of football change? Uh, I, just, I think it's the tactics. I think at home, it's, it's gung-ho. You know, he's pushing solidly for 80 minutes and making sure we get a result. Whereas away, he was thinking more tactically, you know, looking at each club on its merits and thinking, right, OK, what's the best thing to do? We 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 stormed some teams away, and our away record's actually not as bad as it was at the start of the season. But um, I think it's just it's just a little bit more cautious away from home and making sure we don't leak any goals in the first half. We did that against Peterborough, I believe, and we we let three goals in in the last in the in the first like ten minutes. So I think it was just tactics really more than anything, and just making sure. Do you think the tactics will stay pretty similar? Because I, I'm imagining whether. Whether Nathan Jones takes members of the staff with him or whether he doesn't, the staff's going to be there in for the game on Saturday. I'm, I'm assuming he's not going to he's not going to damage you that much. He's going to let some of the staff say so. You've got someone to look after them. Hopefully not. I mean, it depends who's in charge for uh, for Saturday. There's been no statement on that yet. Um, if Gomez is in charge, he you know he's the first team manager. He, he's got to take a lot of credit for our success as well. He's done a really good job since he's come in. Um, I've seen some of his bits at the training ground, and he's he's really really good. Um, if he if he's managers on Saturday, I think he'll get them g'd up and they'll they'll have a bit of bit about him. But 
it's hard. You can't just take a manager like Nathan Jones away and expect everything to be exactly the same. It's not going to work. So there's there's going to have to be contingency plans for that, really. So in terms of style of play, I suppose it, it, we don't know, do we? We don't know if it's going to be similar. But I suppose at the same time, if your team's used to a way of playing, I think you'll probably stick with it to it. Not maybe not exact, no matter who's in charge. The person who's in charge and caretaker on Saturday most likely is probably going to have some of their own ideas. But I think the likeliness is they'll probably stick with the plan that that I'm assuming Nathan Jones had as of a couple of days ago. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. I mean, it's it's a big game on Saturday for both of us, really. If we if we come away with a draw, I'll be happy. Um, I was looking at the rest of the fixtures after the news came out, and I was thinking if we can get through this month in a good place. Maybe we've got a chance. Maybe we've got a chance because uh, we've got a little bit of an easier running than than you and Pompey have. Uh, once we get these games out of the way, but um, it's going to be a very difficult month, especially in these circumstances. It was going to be a difficult month anyway, but it's made it even harder. You know, the, the players are going to no doubt be slightly affected. Um, there'll be a few in there. Um, they get affected. So we'll just have to see what what Luton side turns up and see see what happens. But it's a it's a massive massive game. And I'm just looking through your fixtures there, and you're not wrong. It is tough. You've got you've got us away, which is a tough game for for both of us. You've got Peterborough at home. Peterborough were there or thereabouts at the start of the season, still kicking about. Southend away is a tough game. Southend's just outside the playoffs. You've got Portsmouth at home, which is obviously top of the table clash as well. And then going into February, even you've got Shrewsbury win, and, and, and I'm saying Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury, sorry, um, Shrewsbury are doing re- relatively, relatively well as well after the change in, in manager. And I was actually quite impressed with them. They got a draw at Stadium Light a few weeks ago, so it is going to be a defining month for you, isn't it? And Saturday could be absolutely huge in which way it goes. Yeah, big time. I mean, by Luton's directors, they've self-advertised this is the biggest month in our in our in our lifetime, really, because of the uh, planning permission potentially getting through this month and uh, in good results, then, you know, we could potentially go up. Um, so, yeah, very, very big month for us. And, you know, hopefully um, it goes the way we want it to. I mean, yesterday, apart from the Nathan Jones, we had some good um, good news with the council. They um, recommended it for approval for our for our new stadium. So that's a piece of good news. We've been waiting on for about 50 years. So that's, that's boring good news, but um, we'll have to see next Wednesday. That's when the council meeting is to see if that gets approved. That'll give us a little bit of momentum and some good news, but yeah. It's funny, funny you should mention that with uh, the ground and stuff. I've, I've never been to Luton. I'm, I'm relatively well-traveled. I think I'm at 60 just under um, grounds in the UK. So I'm a little bit off the 92, but I've never been to Luton, never been to Kenilworth Road, but I believe you've got to go through somebody's sitting room to get to the away ground, the away end, sorry, is that right? You you have, but it's fantastic. Yeah, it it's, sounds it's, amazing. It's, 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 it's an old school stadium. I mean, I was speaking to my father and my brother actually when we were, we were down at the Barnsley game and my, my lab was mascot actually and we were sitting in the director's box and the, the way you get in and to the stadium from the inside director's box is just an actual alcohol. It's, it's such a fantastic stadium. My dad moans about it and he said it's old and crooked, it's an embarrassment. But for me, it's one of the best grounds I've ever been to. Roker Park's probably one of the other best ones for, for atmosphere anyway. Oh, it's brilliant. I mean, I, I'm 32, so me my times at Roker Park was 93. 
93 to 97. So it wasn't that long. But I mean, I, I got to, I got into double figures uh, at Roker Park. And yeah, moving into the new stadium, look, it was, it was like another thing entirely being in the stadium light. And my best memories of being a Sunderland fan of being at the stadium light because of the longevity of how long we've been there and the, my, my life and when I was born. But Roker Park was just something that was quite nice about that. And I, I really enjoyed going to Atrington the other week just because it was just nostalgic to have terraces. Yeah, that's another similar one. That's a, a nice little atmosphere. We've always had a good atmosphere with the Aquinton fans when we've gone because we've played them quite a lot in the FA Cup and League 2 last year. Um, but Roker Park was something else. Luton have always travelled quite well to some because they, uh, they obviously like a night out afterwards. Um, <laughs> and I, I just remember, I must have been about 10 or something when I was at Roker Park and I think it was nil-nil and Dwight Marshall, one of our players, broke his leg uh, down in the corner. But the atmosphere was just electric. Absolutely electric, and the Sunderland fans were fantastic in the pub before. They were inviting us in and speaking to us and stuff. It was it was great. I've always got fond memories of Sunderland, uh, both your grounds, but Roker Park was special. I've always remembered it. And actually, this this brings me on to something that I wanted to ask because I I was going to Google it, which probably would have been the best idea in the modern world. But nonetheless, best <laughs> best to ask the expert. But I, growing up, I always remember you know Luton, kind of in the ninety three ninety four sort of period. We're like kind of bobbing around the bottom half of what was then Division One, and I always remember as a kid when you, you're picking up which team wears which colours, who plays for who, who's the best three players from each team. I used to love doing that sort of stuff when I was like seven, eight year old. Yeah. Um, and I always remember Luton were, were white with blue sleeves or white with blue shorts. So there'd be a variation of like a royal blue. And then I seen you on the opening day, that, so your opening home game this season against us, and you were wearing orange. What What's happened there? Well, we had a vote back when we were in the conference in, as to, to what was going to be our home colour and what was going to be our away. And, much to the fans' dismay, the vote went in the way of orange for home shirts um, and white away. Um, we've always kind of really been black and white um, off the, through to the 60s. In the 70s, we introduced orange. We had orange in there as well. Um, 80s, again, we were then black and white. We had black and white in, in, in the 90s and a bit of blue in there. And then we just decided to then have our orange as our home colours. Um, I think it was a a kind of... Yankees type thing is, you know, they look at the pinstripes type thing and take their eyes off everything else and, you know, the look of us and looking something special. But uh, me, preferably, I'd, I'd be black and white, personally. That's 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 from when I was a kid, so. It's disorientating because it's like, it's like when you see an outfield player wearing number 13 or a striker wearing number five. Luton, to me, were always like a variation of white. Um, but so what what prompted that then? Because, I mean, if someone said, to the Sunderland fans, right, I mean, we talked about changing the badge and it was just a rumour not that long ago and everyone said, no, no, just just leave it, just just leave it as it is. If someone said maybe we should, I mean, th- this season we, all the, the photos of the, the team had red shorts and I remember, I mean, if you, for the FIFA fans among us, you'll notice that we are wearing the red shorts on the game, but everyone thought, why are we wearing red shorts? We don't wear red shorts, we're black shorts. And we, we did go ahead and wear black shorts eventually. But I can't imagine a, a team ever getting to that point where you decide to start just totally changing your kit. Was it just like dawn of a new era sort of thing? Was that what it was about? It was an odd one. I mean, we've always had orange, like I said, in the, in the 70s as and like an away colour. Um, and I think they just continued that. When the consortium took over, they 
obviously any concern is going to have a few ideas and this and the other um but the kits was one of them and we'd, we'd just taken on sponsorship with easyjet um at the time uh, i don't know if you remember when we took him on um but we yeah. had them on the front of the shirts and that possibly had something to do with it i don't know if it did or not i don't know but incidentally on that point when you said about changing the badge and the colors and stuff Luke actually gave the rights to our name and our badge and our kits to the supporters trust so i think it was it was on the eve of hall city hall city wanting to change the name i think and mm. um, Luton consortium said well we don't want to ever get into that situation no matter what it is so we'll sign all the rights over to the Luton supporters trust and, and that was a fa- again a, another fantastic idea because it it shows that you know our whole identity is always going to remain the same but yeah, as it should. I think as it should, and I think that's a great idea. I very much agree with it. So moving on to the, the game on Saturday, I suppose it's a, a double a double sided question, quite literally. But what? How did you see Saturday going before today, and how do you see Saturday going now that you've lost your manager? I think both both answers would have been a draw. I think it's a hard game for us. You've got again, you've got a, a pretty decent record at home. Um, you're a strong team, really strong team. Um, so I think I would, I would have come away happy with a draw. Um, I've watched a few of your games. and You know, you play some good football. I think it's always going to be hard. I think Barnsley's probably the best team I've seen this year, um, footballing-wise. Yeah. Um, and I'd say you're probably second to that. And, you know, I, I just think if coming away from the same light with a draw in the position that we're in now is probably the best result for everybody, really. I think I, I, I don't think we're going to come away with a win, especially not now, but I'll be hoping for a draw, really. I, I'm confident of beating any team in this league. And, and as we should be, as you said, we have got a good team. We've got good individuals and we play quite nice football in, in spades, but sometimes we, we don't seem to play well for 90 minutes frustratingly. The big thing for me is how quickly... Oh. The away team starts. There's a few times this season, the other teams have started quite well and they've just sort of frustrated us a little bit. But it, part of me doesn't expect Luton to do that. I think you'll you'll not be as defensive-minded as some of those teams that want to frustrate us. I think you will have an element of wanting to come to Sunderland and wanting to win without going totally gung-ho. But are you, are you notorious for starting quite fast? No. Our normal tactics really are is the, the first half where containing the ball and, and, and keeping the ball a bit and then the second half going for it. That's where we've earned most of our points away from home and scored most of our goals. So second half is really where we, we start to get into a different gear. Um, Luton kind of have this, and it's no disrespect to any other teams, but they they have a knack of kind of going through the gears when they need to, if they need to, yeah. especially with the Christmas period. It's, it's been a thing. We've been so stacked out um, the, to just get into the gears as and when they need to. Like like we've shown at Walsall, uh, you know, we went 2-0 down because we just really weren't at it and then we stepped up a few gears and and then we came away with a point, a very good point. Um, so I think I think that's what it, it will be, trying to keep the ball for the first half, passing around, having a few sh- chances and then go for it in the second. And which players should we... I mean, I, I, I've started doing a feature on the site of three players to look out for. Now... Oh, the three key players. Now, I, I picked three, which you, you may or may not disagree with. So I'll, I'll give you my three that I picked out. And then you can give me your three. Now, I, I went for James Collins. Yeah, yeah, decent player. Decent player. Yep. I mean, he um, he's so hardworking, you know. He, yeah. He's all over the top of the pitch. He, will, he won't let your defenders rest. He scores a fair few goals. But yeah, good player. And I've also went for Andrew Shinney. 
Yeah, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put him in the top three, but yeah, good player. Is is what you'd call a baller, I guess. He's he's good on the ball, can score from outside the box, does really really well. I noticed that he's your top assist maker this season. That I based it on my experience of Andrew Shinny living in Scotland. I've seen him a, a fair few times, and also with him being your top assist maker. So, so who would you say is more likely to be the playmaker that we should worry about if not Andrew Shinny? It depends where, when they if they turn up, but. Um, Three would be James Justin, Elliot Lee. Um, I don't think Thorne's going to get a game. He'll be on the bench, I'd imagine. Um, Elliot Lee and probably Shinny, to be honest. yeah, He's where the creativity's at when we need it. And you mentioned another one that I went for there. I went for a surprising one in George Thorne. But I think he's a great player. I think he's been really, really unlucky with injuries over at Derby because I think he could have matured quite nicely into a potentially lower-end premiership midfielder and I think it's a massive coup and I think it's probably based on the fact that he has had those in- injuries but he's probably likely to go with Cormac his knee on Saturday yeah yeah I would say so they're not, they're not going to throw him straight into it it'd be silly to do that it'd be silly to do that really uh, but he looks a really good player and he, he's got a lot of good wishes from Derby Derby fans love him um, some, a few of them are sad to see him go but apparently there was something in his contract if he played another game then they had to pay three million to West Brom yeah if he played another game for them so don't know if that was something to do with it or not but um we'll just see I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with him Ari the Nathan Jones going now whether whether Derby recall him or not uh, so Jones was a big part of him coming to Luton so it's a difficult one because I don't think he could because of, of, of rulings. I don't know if he actually has to play, but I suppose potentially if he went for, say if he went for Nathan Jones, there's, there's no reason why he couldn't necessarily go to Stoke. I mean, I know they've got Joe Allen, but he, he, I think George Thorne fully fit as a championship player at the very least, isn't he? I think so. He's done really, really well in the under-23s for Derby this year. Um, he's got a couple of goals as well. He's done really well. He's saying he's, fit, I would imagine. Yeah, he's, he's saying he's as fit as, as he's ever been. So, But the physicality of... League One compared to under-23s in the Championship is a different ball game. So we'll just go have to look and see on that one. Because, But potentially a fantastic player. Fantastic player. And so just to flip it around as well, what, one thing I always find quite interesting, because as a, as a Sunderland fan, you, you have your opinions on certain players and they have to do a lot for that opinion to budge. Like it, It's just the way I think football fans are about their own team. So I always find it quite interesting if I said you pick three Sunderland players that may have impressed you when you've watched us or three players that you worry about. I've got a feeling one of them, I think I know who one of them will be, but who, who would be your, your people that you're worried about on Saturday? Well, when I've seen you play, I think the obviously Madge's one. Yeah. Uh, what's the situation with him at, at the moment? Is he is he going? Is he staying? Uh, it's all gone a bit quiet, if I'm honest, in the kind of furore of that kind of like monstrosity of a game against Newcastle, but um, or Newcastle under twenty ones, and the game on Saturday, he was he was given an ultimatum last week, which ended on Friday. Apparently, he said he wanted to sign on Thursday, which was part of the podcast that Stuart Donald did with us on the main show. His agent then advised him not to sign a contract. I don't know, but he'll be playing on Saturday. I'd be very he'll surprised be. if he doesn't play because his his form hasn't been affected at any point. He's he hasn't looked disinterested or he hasn't he hasn't shirked out challenges. He's he's been normal, Josh Major, truth be told. 
I think he's going to turn out to be a, a very, very good player if you can keep him. Um, and yeah. if not, I hope you get uh, the right price for him and sell-ons as well because I think he'll, he'll turn out to be a very good player. He looks so calm and collected in front of goal. Um, he's a different class to a lot of the strikers in this league. Yeah, he's really come on. I mean, he's just, just turned 20 and a, his touch is just for a kid that's just turned 20. is just ridiculous. He's got, he's got things to learn. Of course, yeah. he has. But for him to be doing as well as he's doing at his age and the amount of goals he's scoring I mean I don't think he's ready for the premiership yet I don't know if he's ready for the championship at high end yet I'd encourage him if he is listening which I'm doubting that he is to stay sign the contract and and continue your progression because if we get promoted there's not many teams in that championship that are are going to have 30 to 35,000 sometimes 46,000 fans there just about every other week I don't think realistically he could go to a club I mean yeah maybe Cardiff or Huddersfield or something like that but is he going to play as much? I think he's making the wrong decision if he decides not to sign the contract, but I suppose I'm not Josh Major, so There's not many teams in the Championship I think that he suits, really. I don't think no. he suits Cardiff at all. Not their style of play. I just don't think he, he fits in. The the other player was McGeady. He, he's on the ball. He's a different class for this league. Um, I think he's absolutely a fantastic player. He just cruises past players. I, for, I forget the game... I was watching the other day uh, with Min, but he was just walking past players. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, he's calm, again, calm on the ball. Really, really good. I don't know if that's every single game, but he, he, he looked a different class. He's had a really good season. I mean, I he, he, I think each year, and, but a lot of them were scored in defeats under Simon Grayson when, and we were, we were shit the entire season, as I'm sure you've probably seen on Netflix. Um, but when it comes to McGeady this season, he was injured for the first six to eight weeks, but um, he came on his sub, got a goal against South End, and he's just never looked back. I think he's on five goals already this season. And like you say, there's points when he just walks past people. But the good thing is he looks interested this season. He tracks back, he gets stuck in. He's been captain a few times. Uh, for, for me, if Josh Madger wasn't getting all the headlines, he'd be far and wide our best player. And I think he's going to be there or thereabouts for player of the season if he continues at the level he's playing at. He's fantastic at this level. And he's obviously got the experience to to not be overawed by the physicality of this league as well. He knows how to wriggle around that sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely. He doesn't seem to be uh, struggling with the physicality. Did you think you were going to struggle with the physicality of your league one coming down? Or Yeah, we've got... We've got a team of midgets. Um, we still do um, at points, if I'm completely honest with you. We've just signed a centre-half from Burnley, who's six foot two. Uh, he's been on loan at heart, so I've seen him once or twice living in Glasgow. Not often, but once or twice. And he's he's pretty strong. He's pretty solid. I was speaking to uh, uh, one of our former players who's at Burnley, which is uh, Phil Bardsley, and, and he, he he said he's, he's a good lad. Um, so hopefully he, he aids that. We've struggled physicality defensively, like Baldwin and Flanagan are both obviously very talented players, but sometimes get a little bit overawed. But people like McGeady and um, Lyndon Gooch, the, the kind of smaller players in midfield, and maybe Josh Madger, who's he's a little bit lightweight, I suppose, but he's, he's still only a kid, realistically, um, have handled it quite well. It's the physicality more through the middle of the park where we're struggling, but hopefully that'll be rectified. I know there's four or five players we're in for and I'm hoping one of them's a, a big bastard in midfield, if I'm honest with you. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, he's, he's done very well, McGeady, yeah. Uh, and then the last one is uh, Lyndon Gooch. Um, obviously, he's just signed a new deal for you as well and he's, uh, yeah, he looks like a good player. Uh, I'll say they were your main three. Um, really good players. He's out of form at the moment, Lyndon, if I'm honest with you. I would personally probably... 
I, well, I said this before last night's game. I said I would have probably played Chris Maguire and, and give Lyndon a, a few a few games rest because he's been a little bit off colour. But then Maguire scored a really good goal last night. But if I'm honest, I, I, I thought he was rubbish. I thought nothing really came off him. And I'm sure people disagree with me, but Maguire's been off colour a little bit as well. So I think Gucci will probably play and hopefully prove me completely wrong and I have a good game. So... Gooch, McGeady, Madger, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with you on that. I think they've been our best three players overall this season. But um, what's your thoughts on the match on Saturday? What's your prediction? Uh, I think I'm going to go for two all, two all. Yeah, I think, I think you're going to come out at us in the first half, and I think we're going to we might struggle with it, but I think we've got enough about us. I'm go, I'll go for two all. What about you? Uh, I think we'll win. I, I have a feeling it'll be a a randomly comfortable win. I don't know why. I'm never. I've never been that confident. I mean, I've been confident all season to an extent, but it's been like one nils, two ones. But I quite fancy a three-one. I think. Um, I think we'll come out the traps early, and, and we we have had periods this season like Barnsley at home. You mentioned Barnsley being the best side you've seen this season. I'd probably agree with that. Barnsley and Charlton. But with Barnsley, we just had a ten-minute spell where we just dominated them and scored three goals, and I can see that being similar. I don't know why. Yeah. I just, just a feeling that I've got. I hope I'm right. Um, and I'm, I'm, I very rarely am, as you can probably see by my predictions per week. But so you've probably got nothing to worry about in me being Mystic Meg, <laughs> to be honest. But um, I, I'm going to go three one Sunderland actually. I'll we'll go with that. The thing you said about Barnsley and uh, their, their spells is when we we had them on New Year's Day, they were frighteningly good for pockets, but they were so hot and cold. If they could just do that for ninety minutes, they'd run away with this league. I think. Yeah, so do I. I think I think they were a really good team. Um, we went 3-0 up, I think, in half an hour. We had this random 10-minute spell and then they got one back just before half-time, uh, got one back just after half-time and then really pressured us for like 20 minutes and we got a goal and like the 83rd, Luke O'Neill scored in like the 83rd or something like that coming off the bench and we won 4-2, but it was it was far from a 4-2 game. They were definitely the best side we've seen and if, if Madger was to go in an ideal, realistic world, I think Kiefer Moore would probably be the person that I would want in the side. Um, I think he's terrific. Yeah, good player. He's strong as well. Very, uh, very good but, player. Yeah, very good player. Yeah. So, are you going on Saturday? I am. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going with my uh, my little lad. He's. I did get him a ticket, but he's he's so upset. He's not going anymore. So that's that. Um, so I'm going. Yeah, I'll be going with my family. So we'll uh, be enjoying a few beers in the pub before, I'd imagine. Good. We'll enjoy it, mate. But don't enjoy yeah. it too much. Have a, a horrible Saturday in terms of the three o'clock or five o'clock. Um, but yeah. aside from that, enjoy the city. I'm sure you have. You spoke highly of us before, so I'm sure you know where to go. Um, yeah. But thanks for coming on, mate. Uh, really, really appreciate it. And uh, have a good rest of the week up until Saturday, like I say. <laughs> yeah, all right. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Take care. Cheers, Ian. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. So he was a nice lad. I liked him. Um, Carlos said it was last time we played Luton was nice. Love, I love Carlos. Uh, nice wee lad. Uh, Ian Robertson was his name, his full name, and you can follow them at uh, We Are Luton Town. They're on Twitter. When he said Ian Robertson, I immediately thought of Ian Rogerson. Um, the fact that he remembers Walker Park and stuff like that, maybe I should have mentioned it. But did anyone actually see Ian Rogerson ever play for Sunderland? Or am I going too far back for some of you, some of you younger kids? Um, for the record, he was a, a mid nineties player we signed from Birmingham, and he was shite. Um, but yeah, Saturday, I'm pretty confident. I don't know why, I just feel a bit more confident than, than usual. The stars are aligning with Nathan Jones getting the sack and so on and so forth. So hopefully hopefully I'm proven right and hopefully I actually win a bet for once. 
I've been recording or have recorded podcasts with Chris Macon and also Nikki Summary over the week, players that uh, we've interviewed before but never for a podcast, and they're both absolutely sound lads and a, a real good laugh. So I think you really, really enjoy that. Um, I'll try my best not to say mate all the time because I know some of you dislike that, but it's just the way I speak, mate. Uh, it's just the way it's going to have to be. But uh, thanks as always on a serious note for the uh, the feedback and the constructive criticism that you always give all of us of a report. At the end of the day, we do it just for you. That's the only reason we do it and we enjoy doing it. Keep it coming. Keep keep listening. And, and thanks if you've listened in again. Uh, enjoy the match on Saturday. Uh, hopefully it's three points and we get to talk about being in the automatic places sort of this time in a couple of weeks and we can start looking forward to actually going towards a title rather than just getting in the top two my name's been Graham and uh, this has been the Roper Report Extra Podcast against Luton Town thanks very much bye bye Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAG is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAG, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.